Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday night, September 21st, 2020. This is the final week of this irregular season. He is Tristan H. Cockcroft. Not only winning all his fantasy leagues, but winning by so much that there is just no second place. Kyle Soppy researches and produces our little show with a skill that belies his age. And I am Eric Carabell, thinking he will avoid the alternate site for at least this season. But who knows about the next one? Tristan, how are you this fine day? You made it through the summer, literally the summer, without getting op- option to the alternate camp. So, you know, that's a that's a big accomplishment. Final day Positive. of summer. I'm yeah, yeah can, you make it through, can you make it through the fall, though? I don't know. <laughs> I We're gonna don't find know. Out. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess, soon enough as the sun beats on me. So we're recording this late Monday afternoon. You'll hear it on, hear it on Tuesday. Uh, we're planning to record again on Wednesday afternoon for a Thursday uh, release. And then one final show uh, on Monday for next Tuesday. And then who knows what happens after that. It is football season. And then, you know, Thanksgiving and NBA. Who knows what's going to happen. But on today's show... We're going to try to at least get you through this final week of the season. Tristan will tell you who to play, the two-star pitchers, um, the hitters. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of movement this final week. I think half the teams aren't even playing their best guys this weekend, but we'll see. We'll also have a look ahead to 2021 with a breakdown of outfielders. And Kyle has trivia and your hash browns as well. Tristan, let me ask you this, because we've never been through something like this before. In the, in the normal final week of a season in you know late September after six months, it's not like this. Um, there's more teams that are either out of it, um, especially in the National League. Um, pitchers are being treated differently. Um, you know, roster size is different. There's, you know, 35 players on the Dodgers. So, like, everything is different. So, ha- now the weekly deadline has already passed. But in the Daily League how, or in picking up free agents, how do, you, how do you go about this final week? Move quickly. Don't get attached to anything and prepare for players to get rested heavily in each passing day. I I agree with you. I mean, (laughs) we brought this up on a past show that there isn't really a home field advantage. So just get in. Just get in. See what happens. Align your rotations. I mean, are you more likely to take chances when it comes to starting pitchers and use questionable choices? Or are you playing it safe? Are you aggressive? Uh, are you willing, like I dropped some pretty decent players this week. I've been sitting Bo Bichette and J.D. Martinez over the weekend. They weren't doing much. So I just played other options that I thought were better picks, and that turned out okay. So it's like I think anything goes right now. Like just don't drop like a top player so someone else can get him and beat you with that player. That that's, that I wouldn't do. If you're going to bench a guy, that's different. But like Mike Trout should play this entire week. But Garrett Cole is not starting this coming weekend. Like there's there's a lot of things in play with the teams that have already clinched their spots, especially in the American League. The American League is done. It's it's effectively done. There's still a a, a slight chance that the Astros could melt down. I suppose I don't think it's going to happen. I yeah, I agree. We look at we, we we see the very likely eight teams that are in there. The NL there's some finagling at the back end of the the playoff structure there. So keep an eye on that one. Um, yeah, I'm t- I, mean, I guess my point I, is I had, this. Oh, like, I had a good thought on this one, and I don't remember what it was now. You, you threw me off. Um, oh, 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 fantasy-wise, fantasy-wise. Okay, we'll take the weekly to the daily and the, the application here. I had a team that was in last place until about a week ago. It has a chance of finishing in second place at this point. Okay. This, is, right, how, yeah. this is how absurd standings are. 
make sure you monitor those categories. And specifically, there are usually three ratio categories or average categories in a traditional Roto League. Make sure you know what end you're on. Do you have to protect them or can you go ahead and risk them? So on that team, I could risk them. I was leading both ratios by a ton. So I'm loading up on volume. And that means I'm going to go with those starters and lean on matchups. I'm going to take Jose Urania, even though I wouldn't normally in any other week. I'd take a chance on him on Tuesday because why not? I'm going for volume. I need Ks. I need innings. I need wins. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. I, I have a league where I'm playing Kyle Freeling because I need to volume and he's got two road starts. And I have another league where I, I just I would never consider that because ERA and WHIP are so important. So, you know, I guess it depends. And then I have one team where I feel like all my starters are in the American League and they're on playoff teams. So, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, Bieber's not pitching this coming weekend. And I don't know yet if Aaron Nola is, but I think the Phillies are going to need to play against Tampa Bay this coming weekend. So I guess he will, but probably not against Tampa's best players. So. It's a lot of guesswork, I know. Uh, let's get to some of the news now, and I'm sure we'll have some more advice. We'll get to some two-starts. Uh, like, if you want to play Austin both, because he's a two-star guy from Tuesday to Sunday, be my guest. But there's a lot of risk in here, ain't whip. Right? That, that is, that, and that is exactly one of the guys I had to look at in Tout Wars, where I think that's the only team left where I have him rostered, and that's just because it's a 12-team NL only. And I thought about it. Do you start him with two starts? And if you need volume, you know, desperate things you know, can create some strange lineups. I didn't put him in ultimately. Oh, wait, no, did I at the last second? I don't think I did. I'll look. <laughs> Tristan doesn't even know what he did because he's already won the league. Um, brief news items here, and they're mostly for next season. Well, Nolan Arenado, not so much. He may not play this week. He has a shoulder problem. Um, I wrote about him on Monday's blog and said he's a second-round pick, which is nothing that bad. Part of it, not because I'm worried about him not bouncing back and batting average and home runs and RBI. It's just – I, you got to take a guy who runs, I think, with your first pick to some degree. You know, like we've had this argument before on Trout. Um, but at least he's, he could still double-digit bases. Arenado can't do that. So to me, Arenado and, and Freddie Freeman end up in round two, not because they're not great or that I'm worried, but because they don't steal bases. Is that a fair thing, or do you think I'm just being ridiculous? Not necessarily. I missed the steals guy looking up both, and I did start him, by the way. <laughs> Who's the steals guy? Well, I mean, I just noted that like Trey Turner is going in round one because he's a home run star. Right, right. You guy. Mentioned, but you mentioned a steal. That's so. It's Trey Turner versus these two. I I do lean to the steals guy. I don't. Well, I mean, I don't think that's an absurd thought. Well, I had said Trout, but like I don't want to get into that debate again. But the point is, like Arenado, I think he'll be fine for twenty twenty one unless he's not playing with the Rockies, and then that's a whole different podcast yeah. right there. Yep. Um, all right, uh, Justin well, I, Verlander. I, there's a good chance that you're going to get those two guys into the back end of the first round, but, I mean, we're probably looking at deeper than 10-team leagues. I don't think Arenado's a first-round pick next year. I don't either, at least the way things stand right now. But All right. Um, Justin Verlander decided over the weekend that he is going to need Tommy John surgery. Well, his arm decided it. And then breaking news right before our show today, Ken Giles of Toronto also needs Tommy John. Um, obviously a little different here. Um, you can't keep Verlander in a dynasty league anymore. He's not going to pitch at all in 2021. What do you think happens to him in 2022? I guess if you're in a really deep league, you might think about what am I going to do with Justin Verlander? Is there any way you can see Verlander being a top 30 starting pitcher in 2022? I know that's really looking far ahead, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. I see a path to it. 
I'm not going to invest at that level. I, I think the odds aren't especially great. He'll be 39 years old. I think if there's any kind of competitor who could work his way back, he has remade himself a couple of times throughout, throughout his career. Yeah, it, it could happen. But we're, we're, we're touting the high-end recovery. And I, I mean, you, you don't see it happening, do you? You know, I don't. And, and I don't even know where he is. That seems like the kind of thing the Phillies would do, throw a guy $25 million at one year when he's 39 years old and see what happens. He's not going to be on Houston, probably. And a lot of players aren't going to be with Houston. And we don't have enough time to get fully into that. But, man, the Astros might look a whole lot different next year. Like, Forrest Whitley might have to be in the rotation. And Aram Toro might be their left fielder, if, you know, with Kyle Tucker and Wright. I mean, they're losing players. And I... I don't think Verlander would be with them, but I don't like, man, if we're still doing this in the spring of 2022, man, I'm not going to bet against Verlander throwing 175 really good innings. I just, maybe he's on the Dodgers. You're not going to draft him that way. You you know, you're not, I'm not, you're not right. <sighs> no, you're not. not. And then where are you drafting? No. Give me the number. It, like, it, let's be relatively optimistic. Give me the number. Where are you? Round really 15, doing? round 15. I don't know. So he's right? like a 40 I mean, to 45 starter. Yeah, I guess so. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, all right. That's it for the news because we want to get to a lot of other stuff on today's show. Um, I mean, who knows who is Toronto's closer next season? It's obviously not Giles. And I think he's a free agent anyway, right? So, yeah. and so you know, he may not have been there anyway. I mean, Jordan Romano is the, like, the guy we keep talking about. Um, but I can't even guess who half these teams go with as closers for next year. I guess this is the, our closer report, our closer carousel. I mean, you want to sing that song? I don't even know where we go with this. <laughs> it's a good question, I mean, I was, by the way. You know, Toronto is Toronto's a team that that is trending upwards. It's a good question what Toronto does at closer next year. They buy one. They 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 give Blake Trinan three years and fifty million. Somebody is giving Blake Trinan Three-year contract. I, I would rather throw them. Romano in the role. I'm telling you, if it was me, oh, of course, team, I'd go with Romano. I know I have Dolis also. I would probably add a couple of relievers on the cheap behind them. So I added I added Blake Trinan in a keeper league today. It's a deep keeper league. We keep twelve, and people are probably looking at me like, "What are you nuts?" He's closing somewhere next year. I can name fifteen teams right now that might give him a three-year contract, and he's just an example. I don't know who else the other free agents are, but. I mean, Philadelphia, they would obviously overspend on a closer. I mean, I don't know. This I, I'm just saying, in these fi- in this final week of the season in a keeper league, go to your list of free agents and find anybody that could possibly be a keeper. Like, like their situation would change by next February. Forrest Whitley, who I just mentioned, if he's in Houston's rotation, you could, you could make a case for him as a keeper in a deep league, especially in AL only. Mm-hmm. Wherever Trinan signs, he's probably closing. You know, so just think about things like that. I, I dropped Tony Watson in a league. He's pitched once in the last 13 days. Um, Stephen Crichton of Arizona, as you had mentioned on a couple shows earlier, clearly Arizona's closer now. Good for you. Um, Daniel Bard blew the save on Sunday or tried to, uh, and Michael Gibbons ended up getting the save. Yep. Um, but I think Bard is still your closer for this week. Yep. Um, Greg Holland is Kansas City's closer. I don't think the Angels – when's the last time the Angels even had a save chance? I See, like, I'm not bothering with Matt Andrees. I just pick up a guy who I think is going to get a lot of strikeouts. For I'll tell you, the Angels guy, if you must hit your wagon to somebody, is Mike Myers. You think it's Mike Myers. Okay. 
Mike, yeah, Myers, Mayor, whatever. Um, Wait, the guy from uh, Halloween? I, Mike Myers, that's the lefty the Yankees had way back when, Mike. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it is Mike Myers. What? <laughs> at, any, at any rate, I, I, <laughs> I didn't miss that. I, you, I'm the one who brought oh, – no, wait. That was before we started taping. I brought the Halloween stuff. All right. Um, <laughs> off the rails already. I, I don't know that I care about the Angels' bullpen, but have you seen what Mayers Myers has done lately? He's, he's actually been very effective for them over the past month or so. I have seen what uh, what he has done. Uh, he's, he seems like more of a multi inning guy to me. He but, does. Um, yeah, yeah. But yes, he's pitched well. That's what I'm saying. Even if he's not their closer, just pick up a guy who's getting you know a forty percent K rate sure. over over you know like well not Christ unless but you like, need the saves. But that's the problem. There are leagues where you've got where, where the eighth place team has twelve saves and the second place team has twenty two saves. I I. I added Hector Neris in a league this uh, this week, and I'm a Phillies fan, and I still added Hector Neris because they play Washington in a four-game series, and in Tampa, I'll have nothing to play for. And I'm thinking, he's getting two or three saves. And frankly, since he's the only decent reliever left in their bullpen, he might pitch literally every day. So I, 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 I can't believe I added Hector Neris when I know what Hector Neris is, but it's a Hector Neris type of season when it comes to bullpens. Enough of the closers. Time for the combo meals now. We had a bunch of them since the last show. Looks like Manny Machado and Salvador Perez, of course. Why wouldn't a Royals cast? Salvador Perez, of all players. Knee surgery, and he's stealing bases. Um, Leone Tavares and Randy Arozarena. And then Will Myers, who's still doing it. And George Springer, who might not be doing it in Houston next year. How about Will Myers? You know, I, I know, like, we discussed him a little bit as a guy only hitting lefties this season, but... Nice season. Nice bounce back season. Helping a first place team. Well, not, you know, the Padres into the playoffs. Um, Leone Tavares. Somebody picked him up in one of my league, one of my keeper leagues. And I thought, that's interesting. Would you do that? Do you like Leone Tavares? He's, he could be the Texas Rangers center fielder and leadoff hitter next year. He's 22 right now. Stole a little, well, he stole bases in the minors. He wasn't like a 50 steal guy. And he was, certainly wasn't a good percentage base stealer. Mm-hmm. Um, not at all, but I don't know. Is that interesting to you, Leone Tavares? It, it doesn't. It doesn't excite ready. me. I, look, okay. I'm. I'm gonna, no. I'm going to go back to your point, which is very relevant. That that you, I play in the league format you're talking about with the twelve keepers, and have for a long time. And you and I both know, yeah, absolutely no roster spot whatsoever on your team should be wasted on somebody who can't be carried over for 2021. Once you get to that point where you can lock in those roster spots, just to have, have darts thrown for next year, you know? Yeah. And he is one of them. He is playing. And as you said, he could have a role for them. What you don't want to do. Okay. In a deep keeper league is say, Oh, here are my 12 guys. And you're saying it in September. And then one of them gets Tommy John in in January, another blows out his knee in February, and then you're too short. Have like 20 potential keepers, and you could always trade to somebody else who doesn't have enough. But whether your keeper league is three or is 12, always be building up your bench, even if you're out of it right now. Um, If you don't have, let's put it this way, for a 12-team keeper, if you don't have at least 15 guys who are candidates at the beginning of spring training next year, you did it wrong. And I'll, I'll t- to go the other direction on the thing you mentioned about Blake Trinan stashing him, I'd say there's a 90 plus percent chance you're not keeping him for next year. But you need to have him right now. Why would you want to have? Why would you rather 
I'm trying to think of a good example of who we could have there. Why, why would you want to have uh, Rowan Wick instead of him? Trying to probably have oh, a chance I, of than Wick. I, I think that's fair. By the way, Rowan Wick in, our, in one of our sim leagues has like an 0.22 ERA. <laughs> and the guy who has him, I, do, I think, listens to this show when he walks his dog, when his dog does his business, you know. And uh, Rowan Wick is going to be in the playoffs in our sim league. Uh, wow. How about that? You know, anyway, that had nothing to do with anything. Um, all right, let's take a look at the two start pitchers. Well, let's take a look at all the starting pitchers for the next couple of days. The guys that are starting on Tuesday could start again Saturday or Sunday. We mentioned Austin Voth, who I'm sick of talking about because I might have lost Labor NL because of Austin Voth. ERA and Whip is going to be my uh, uh, the problem in, in that league. I'm, I'm now at like basically eight starters and Tony Watson who never pitches. I have a shot, but so do six other teams. Um, you mentioned Irania. He's pitching against Cole Hamels, supposedly on Tuesday. This is all fluid. ESPN has a doubleheader, by the way, Garrett Cole and Tanner Roark. This should be Cole's last outing of the regular season. And then the nightcap, Frank, Frankie Montas and Dustin May. And we would assume that neither of them are two-start pitchers, because why would Oakland and the Dodgers risk that? But um, Oakland's in a, in a weird spot, though. Oakland's in a very Wait. weird rotation spot for the playoffs. Why? Well, why would they risk Montas on Saturday, Sunday when he might have to pitch Tuesday or Wednesday? Because I don't know that they look at Montas as one of their uh, three. Because it's three. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that he's going to qualify for that. I mean, Lazardo to me seems like a lock, but they're also talking about three other Montas included options depending on who they play. It's a little unclear who the three are. All right. Well, let's get to some. Brady Singer of the Kansas City Royals might be available in your league. Supposedly St. Louis, and then I assume he's pitching Sunday as well. Yep. Uh, he's right. looked good. Yeah, and that's a good matchup there. So Brady Singer looks like a good two-start guy for people wondering about that. Don't you agree? Yep. I would agree. Um, Seth Lugo against Tampa Bay, and then I don't know where he pitches on Sunday. But, At um, Washington. And they're, they're done. They were done a month ago. And, and, and who knows if they even play Juan Soto and Trey Turner over the weekend. So yeah, I'm Seth a little Lugo wary. Like of, decent. Aren't, aren't you wary of Lugo after his recent performance? You mean the one where the Phillies hit home runs on three consecutive batters in the first inning? Yeah, something like that. Figured you might remember it. Well, it dawned on me while he was doing that that maybe he's hurt because he had not pitched that poorly the time before that. So I do want to see what he does in this outing. But look, if you're talking two star guys, I mean, I'm not using Tanner Rourke this week. That's for sure. So he might not, yeah, Rourke might not even make two starts. They could be a six man rotation. Framber Valdez at Seattle, and I would assume he gets another shot maybe over the weekend. That'd be uh, because he may not be in at, and Texas doesn't hit. So I, I was looking at Texas's hitters. Do they have anybody batting over like two fifty that's been around <laughs> all season? Yeah, they're a little bit of a mess right now. Then again, Joey Gallo uh, is still a pretty good hitter. It's just batting average is not the strength if you want to use that measure. <laughs> I mean, I saw somebody on Twitter recommending Drew Smiley. He's facing the Arenado, Arenado Les Rockies at home, and he's he's striking people out. And then his next outing, I don't know. I mean, San Francisco's obviously trying to win, so Drew Smiley will probably pitch, you know, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday as well. One thing on that is that they have not locked in Drew Smiley on Tuesday. That's who it's likely going to be. And by my own projections, it's likely he is going to pitch the Sunday game against San Diego. And I'm with you that I do think he's worth the roll of the dice. But that's a risky second start. And, and I'll say this about San Diego this weekend and the Dodgers and every other team. They don't have 40-man active rosters. Mm-hmm. It's just 28. Yep. So 
San Diego has to play some people, <laughs> you know, this weekend. They can't just sit everybody like the Dodgers would have done last year when they had a huge lead. Yeah. Um, I can't find any other two. Are there any other two star guys that are not pitch, that did not pitch Monday after our show that you would recommend, like like um, like Keegan Aiken of Baltimore? I don't really want to do that, you know. Among Nick the Pavetta, ones, come on, I've seen enough there. Among the ones we haven't recommended, okay. Tariq Skubal of Detroit, yeah, he could Caleb be. Smith got good uh, got good grades. I don't know that he's going to pitch deeply enough into the games. We mentioned Singer. Uh, Hamels, I don't think, is making the second start. Aiken, well, he could because Aiken's like a mid-grade guy for the two starts. Um, the one I, I did throw a dart at is Nick Pavetta for the Red Sox. He's Why? Right. Why, Tristan? Why? Because you have to take volume when you need volume. And in that league, I needed volume. You took Nick Pavetta in a league? Desperate times. And I count I, I you as an expert. I have you're judging a team you don't even know the standings of. I have ERA and whip to burn. And I mean, I'm, I literally have enough to burn. He could, unless they keep him in to give up 20 runs without getting it out. I am not in jeopardy of blowing my ERA there. They probably won't do that. <laughs> but, yeah. I would imagine they won't, but you know what? I should be fair here. I mean, I've seen enough of Nick Pavetta, but maybe he's this year's pitching version of Jake lamb. And he throws two great games for Boston. Who thought Jake lamb was going to hit for Oakland? I didn't. You're right. You, you just Look, never if, know. If Nick Pavetta throws six no-hit innings against Baltimore, you host <laughs> the next show and I leave. <laughs> Although I don't think you want – you don't that like would, hosting. That what? would be a punishment, wouldn't it? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I realized as soon as I said it, you don't want to uh, host the show. You would much rather be in the role you're in now. Um, Wednesday you – know, The other one is Ronaldo Lopez. I know, I know. Look, desperate times. <laughs> you asked me for the two start guy. You're, you're right. You're, I did. I asked you a question, and I get an answer. Uh, Wednesday, ESPN two apparently has the battle of Missouri, Carlos Martinez and Danny Duffy. Ugh, I guess Duffy. <laughs> and Duffy's got a good, you know, good strikeout rate this year. I don't want to go near Carlos Martinez. I don't want to go near either uh, of these guys. I don't really want to either. But if you need somebody. You know, call call the name. Um, Lucas Giolito against Zach Plesek. Neither of those guys are pitching a second time this week. That's on ESPN Plus early, a little bit earlier in the day. Uh, Zach Eflin at Washington. Good luck. He should do well, but, you know, who knows? His last outing went the distance, seven innings. Jaime Berea has actually pitched okay. Who knows who San Diego will have in their lineup. Berea is not a big K guy, so I would say new on that. But if you're desperate. Um, who else? Do not use Steven Matz. That can't go well. <laughs> I would I mean, agree. I'd rather use Nick Pavetta than Steven Matz right now. Exactly. That's my point. You're going to have to do some weird things, and that's activating Matz is not going to be one of them for me. No, no, no. I agree with that. All right, let's move along now to the outfield wanna, talk for 2020. I yeah. want to throw you one more rotation thing because I think this is important. The Reds' uh, crazy four-starter uh, four strategy. What do you think? I don't think it's crazy. That's what Trevor Bauer's been, you know, demanding. He's going to bring Can't along do- Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray for the ride. Then I don't think Sonny Gray is going to do it. But you know what? If you're Cincinnati, okay, like first of all, I don't think Sonny Gray is blowing at his arm if he has to have one outing on three days rest. I, I personally don't. I, I know a lot of people who think at 100 pitches you take a pitcher out and nobody ever goes on three days rest. But I just don't believe that. I think every pitcher's arm is a little bit different. Bear, so you know I think Bauer. You know about the bear. 
The bear comes out to bite off an arm at 100 pitches, and you know Brian Snicker's out there at 100 to make sure his guy is out of the game. Yeah. And every other manager, because they're afraid of losing their jobs. Not because they even believe that Max Fried can't go to 105 pitches, because they're like, this is what everybody does now. It's a narrative, and it's wrong. You know, Verlander could handle more than 105 pitches per start. Trevor Bauer can handle it. Lance Lynn can handle it. I can name 20 other guys who can handle this. But this is what mostly happens. I just raise it because I think it's interesting. That could be the team that does a real favor in terms of starting pitching volume to fantasy managers. Look, I'm very concerned that the Phillies miss the playoffs. Not so much because of what they do. They could go four and three and still miss it. Because Cincinnati, St. Louis, Miami, San Francisco could all do better. St. Louis? I, I, St. Yeah. Louis has those, has those two games that they could be forced to make up with Detroit. Oh, do you have an answer to what that means in ESPN leagues? I don't want to put you on the spot here if you don't know. I, I do not. I have inquired about this. And based on them not having been formally announced by MLB, we don't have an official answer yet. But I, I do believe there is movement to try to get those included as long as they get scheduled. Um, let's move off the schedule now to the outfitter discussion for 2021. Obviously, in ESPN leagues, you need five of them. Um, I would argue, and we have on many a show, that you're taking the best offensive player. Not Don't worry about positions. Just take the best offensive players. But certainly you can make a case here, the top 10. So this, this was the top 10 for ADP this past season. Trout, Yelich, Acuna, Bellinger, Mookie, Soto, Harper, Judge, J.D. Martinez, and Charlie Blackman. Um, some of those guys will not be anywhere close to the top 10 in 2021. Martinez, I would say Judge shouldn't be. I don't think Blackman will be, but the other guys all will be. So that's like seven of the top 10 that will be back in the top 10 outfitters. Who gets into that group for 2021, I'm wondering? Because that is an interesting question. Like, let's assume J.D. Martinez is now like round five. And Aaron Judge, I mean, come on, people. You need to get over the head. He's not playing 150 games next year. But who is getting into that group? Is it, I was Starling Marte probably. I would think he'd be one of them, although I want to see where he lands. He's going to be another guy who, as every year, is a borderline top 10 outfielder. Luis Robert of Chicago should get there. People love him. I bet I bet he makes it into that. Yeah, that, that was, that was the, where I was going to go with it was him. Frankly, I think his own outfield teammate, Eloy Jimenez, makes a compelling case for it as well. I think he does, but I think I would take Robert because he steals bases. Like, yeah. if you said if you said to me, Luis Robert or Charlie Blackman, I'm taking Robert because I think he'll steal more bases. And, you know, who? well, I mean, Blackman should be back in Colorado, but who really knows for sure? Um, Eloy looks like a 35 homer guy to me. I think I, Eloy, you can make the case is the new J.D. Martinez for terms of, like, our rankings. Like, right? I mean, Ooh, he should. Yeah, I like it. Because, although I'm not, maybe not the batting average, but. Like a really good player, a power hitter for the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I like Eloy uh, a lot. Eloy I like Eloy a lot too. Yeah. But so, all right, so we all we, we both agree that Luis Robert is a potential top 10 fantasy outfitter in the rankings next year and beyond. Yep. What about Kyle Lewis? Because like, they're like neck and neck to me in the rookie of the year balloting. So why wouldn't Kyle Lewis get the same respect? Is it because it's Seattle? Is it because he shouldn't be doing this? It's Babip? What is it? Not, not as big a base stealer, obviously. He's not as, and that is a big problem. If I already have some questions about the plate discipline, and Lewis has made huge strides in that area, that's why he has broken through. He's still not a 
high grade plate discipline guy, and that threatens his batting average. And if you couple that with the stolen bases, he's behind Luis Robert for me. All right. So Kyle in the note writes in here for uh, for twenty twenty one. Are they bona fide or bonifacio? We would play the sound, but we don't have any any uh, <laughs> rights to the sound. Or bonifacio. <laughs> Which wasn't ours to start with. It was it obviously was, no. <laughs> it was it was the prior show. But um, um, so here are some names, and you tell me. I guess Bonafide or Bonifacio. Will Myers, who we just mentioned earlier in the show. Um, I don't think he's been running a lot. That's part of the issue. But if I if I yeah, he's got only two stolen bases, and one of them came in a combo meal. But it's a two ninety eight batting average, which is nothing like his career. The power's back. And it is – it's not all against lefties. He's got a 9.33 OPS against righties. So if I told you that next year Will Myers hit 270 with 25 homers and 20 steals, is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy, no. I, I think that's it's, – it's a little aggressive, but I, I don't think it's crazy. All right, let's go to Toronto. Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel. Who would you rather have next season? Did you, you didn't bonafide or Bonifacio Myers. Who's your? You're taking you're taking the positive side. He's not hitting two seventy. I, I would say he's he's bon, more Bonifacio, especially now that he's not. He only stole two bases. He's Bonifacio. So how, how's that? He's neither he, Bonafide nor Bonifacio. And that, that joke would not have fallen so flat if if you know he hadn't gotten cut by the Panthers. But anyway, I digress. I think he's back on the Panthers now because Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if you got the memo. He's out for a while. <laughs> I got. I did get the memo. Yeah, but I I did notice that Bonifon did not emerge out of pre, out of the preseason, so he ain't going to be the first guy up. <laughs> uh, anyway, Toronto's why are we talking out about this? What's that? Toronto. Toronto. Why are we talking Teoscar, about that other Teoscar and Lourdes. They're both pretty legit to me. Uh, I like them both. I think hmm, I'm going to say they're Bonifide. both bonafide. They're bonafide. Like I could. Bonafide. I think Teoscar could hit 35 home runs, and Gorio, I think, offers a little bit more rounded upside. But what do you think? I, I think that's a good assessment. I am a little scared by Hernandez's, you know, <laughs> lack of walks and kind of funneling everything into power, but he makes it work. Like, I could see Teoscar being like a Jorge Soler light, 40 homers, but batting 240. But to me, Lourdes Gorio has a legit shot to hit 290 and steal 10, 12 bases. Interesting. I like I like the the light Jorge Soler, yeah, and it's kind of similar. Okay. All right, so Kyle Tucker, obviously, he's going to be somewhere in Houston's lineup next season. That might be your batting. top ten guy. That might be your top ten guy. I think with Kyle Tucker, yeah, Kyle Tucker does run. Yeah. Ooh. But like, I don't. You're not going to project Kyle Tucker to hit above two sixty, though. You can't. And don't say, why can't I? You, you I, won't pick I, him to pick I, I probably won't, but why can't he do it? Are you well, gonna... he's certainly he's, 20, he's 23. He can do it. Right. My, my point but, being that he was not your big K batting average risk guy in the minors. So I, I think there's some improvement that could be made there. Yeah, and, he's, and his strikeout rate isn't outrageous right now. It's like 22%, so that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he'll be top 10, but I think he'll be a top 20 outfitter. I think I would definitely rank him that way. I think Kyle Tucker is, is definitely Bonafide. In fact, all these guys are, that Kyle mentioned, Dominic Smith, you know I love Dominic Smith. That's a that's a 25-homer, 280 guy. I, I know you think this is crazy, Tristan, but I really want to rank Dominic Smith ahead of Pete Alonzo. And the reasoning is simple. Batting average matters. 
And it's not like Dominic Smith is hitting 12 home runs. He's hitting 25 to 30 home runs next year. And Pete Alonso is hitting 35. But if there's a difference in 50 batting average points, and I think there is, I'd rather have Dominic Smith. I Why is that crazy? It's not. They're... Their raw power is not equal. That's the only part of it that's crazy. <laughs> you yeah, but Alonso are anywhere close in terms of raw power. I don't. I, I don't think that's relevant to this conversation. I, I, I think I we, get it. I, I'm. That's why I'm. I'm not going to fight that aggressively. I'm not. I'm going to. I'm going to probably rank Alonzo poorly, like round seven. Okay. And to me, Dominic Smith is right there. I might even make a point and rank them consecutively with Dom one spot ahead, and I'll just write a blog about it in January and say this is what I think. I think you can make that point. I'm going to make that point. So the numbers you have I, on them draft-wise are where for you right now? I, I, I would say right now seventh, eighth round. And the reason why Alonzo drops from round three to seven or eight is because of batting average. And I had concerns about that, and I told you about it back in January, that I did not – I, I took Pete Alonzo in a dispersal draft, and I regret it right away. And I actually looked back at that dispersal draft to see who I would have taken, and there was no better option at the point. So it's not like I can look back and say I would have done something else. What I should have done is I should have traded him right away to somebody who didn't believe what I believed. But I was right. Pete Alonzo is a huge batting average risk. Anyway, I like Dominic Smith I, a lot. I am gonna, I'm changing my, my tune. I think it is nuts to put him over Alonzo. I'm looking, I'm, the more I look at him, I, I can't. And I love the guy. I think he's completely bona fide, but I, I can't make that case. I, I like I see the case you're making. I just can't do it. The, the hard contact rate is just not quite good enough. The fly ball rate is just not quite high enough. There, there isn't that elite ceiling there. That's, that's the only hesitation I'm having with Dominic Smith. So, Whit Merrifield is the number two outfitter on the player radar. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is number five. Michael Conforto is number six. We haven't even Trent Grisham's number twelve. We haven't even mentioned these guys as possible top ten outfitters. Like, what more does Marcelo Zuna? I mean, he shouldn't be hitting three twelve next year. But what if he does? <laughs> like that that with his power, you know. I mean, we just talked about Pete Alonso. Marcelo Zuna is better than Alonso if he hits three hundred. Asuna is a little like the power-oriented version of Sterling Marte. Never gets enough credit at the draft table. I think it's likely because a couple of team changes. He was with Miami, didn't get enough ex- enough exposure, had the pitching-friendly ballparks, have always been his home. Uh, the other is that he's had bumps and bruises. And I think that that people are are unfairly critical of Ozuna. I think he's been a consistent top 20 at worst 25 outfielder, year after year. All right, so you mentioned Joey Gallo earlier in the show, and I want to bring him up now because – I'm not going anywhere near Joey Gallo next year. And batting average is the obvious reason. Um, 187 batting average right now with a million strikeouts. And it's now a, a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Uh, like, how can you dra- How can you even rank Joey Gallo in your top 100 can't. on the chance that he bats 220? You can't. Like, I, And I love Joey Gallo. I can't make that case. I, I can't come close to it. Now, he does have the hard contact grades that I would like to see from Dominic Smith. But you're right. and And... And again, he's another injury guy. And I, I think that the fact that injuries have taken something away from him over the past calendar year, frankly, almost a year and a half at this point. Yeah, it's a concern. It's a huge concern. I, I think going into the next season, I'm going to adopt a little different philosophy. Look, I was never drafting players like Joey Gallo to start with. But you, if you're, if you're going to bat 240, you better steal some bases and hit for power. 
And if you're not giving me batting average and not giving me stolen bases, I don't think I'll draft you at all. I need a more well-rounded hitter now. There's yeah. there there are hitters out there that do that that do four categories, but you just, you can't just kill me. You can't give me zero in steals, and you can't give me a, an awful batting average. Just a two ten career hitter. No, goodbye. Gallo is a really nice guy. But. Gallo is a non-traditional roto guy. You want him in the leagues that are not traditional roto, right? And we we keep talking about. Everything we've done on today's show is roto, not points, which sounds silly since points is our standard league now, but it's all different in a points league. And you should know that if you're in a points league. You don't care about batting average in a points league. You care about strikeouts, but Joey Gallo and Reese Hoskins have immense value in points leagues. In roto leagues, they're hard to take. That's my point. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a fair one. And in, in Gallo's case, by the way, he's not even all that appealing in the points leagues. I'm talking to this, about the sabermetric leagues, the leagues that don't penalize you for the Ks. I have a points league like that. Love them there. Don't like them in traditional roto. So I want to ask you about what you think of, speaking of batting average, Ramon Laureano was one of my huge favorites heading into the 2020 season. He had like 25 homers last year. He stole bases. He batted 280-something. He didn't deserve to bat 280-something because he, he didn't walk. His walk to strikeout was a little flimsy. But right now he's batting like 210. And he's not running, and he's not hitting for power, and he looks hurt. What are you doing with him? Is he even a top 50 outfitter next year? I think so, yes. As long as the winter gives us positive uh, health updates on him. Understand that a lot of players get reported for minor surgeries at the very beginning of the offseason. I expect we're going to see that with a good handful, dozen, two dozen players, and then we're going to have to react accordingly to that. Let's assume Loriano is healthy enough to be a regular. He has the glove to drive playing time, should probably capture a decent lineup spot. The team knows how to maximize its matchups. He does walk a decent amount. And he can fill the categories, but we've got to see him run. You're right. That the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that he didn't run this year. I mean, one stolen base. Come on. All right. Let me ask you a couple of either this guy or that guy questions. Sure. Byron Buxton or Clint Frazier? I think I have to. I Well, I think I have to go with Buxton. Why? No, Why do you? Because I'm cause, not. Because today he's going to play. Today I know he's going to play. If he's healthy, he's going to play. Well. Give me the over/under on PAs for next season. It's not five hundred. It's probably four hundred. Yeah, four hundred four twenty-five. And Clint Frazier's the Yankee everyday left fielder. He may not run, but I, I've had enough of Byron Buxton. I know he's been you know hitting for power lately, but he's probably sorry. the Yankee left fielder. By the way, we want to criticize the injury history of Byron Buxton. We should be throwing Clint Fa- Frazier under the bus. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's a that's something you could say. I can I can make a, case, a compelling case and change my mind a hundred times during the offseason on these two. That that's a good choice between a good contrast. Um, what else do I want to do here? All right, two more outfitters that make sense. They're kind of all right. Ian Happ, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure who. I can't <laughs> compare because I I like them and I think you do too. Mm-hmm. But all right, so they're they're actually pretty even on the player radar. Ian Happ or George Springer? You have to say Springer, but do you have to? Yeah, do you have to? Uh, you probably do because Springer's going to lock down a, an everyday high in the order, if not leadoff role somewhere. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But, like, I do want to – I can't take 
I can't take half over Springer, but I could take half over like Andrew McCutcheon, who doesn't steal bases. Oh, I yeah. Do that. Yeah. I, I think Hap is going to be – Hap is probably going to be drafted pretty well, and if he's not, then we're going to be singing his praises as a value for next season. What about I, a uh, pair of twins? Max Kepler or Eddie Rosario? Kepler's had a terrible year. Yeah, he has. Uh, very disappointing, in fact. I – I probably lean Rosario there mainly because I did before this year and have for a while. I've got a couple Mets, and you might think I'm crazy, but J.D. Davis versus Jeff McNeil. If Jeff McNeil's bat- not batting 300, mm-hmm. then he's not what you want. And he is batting 300, but no home, only four home runs, zero stole bases. He's not hitting at the top of the lineup. Austin, J.D. Davis is a legit – I think J.D. Davis might hit 30 home runs next year. Now he's not showing that now. He only has six, but nah, it's McNeil. But I, I man, I'm kind of fading McNeil right now. The, the I, I like where you're going with a 30 homer potential for JD Davis. I think the raw power is in that bat. Problems: 57 percent ground ball rate this year, at a 35 percent hard hit rate. Those have got to improve. And and I'm not throwing those to lock him in at those for 2021. I think he can improve, but he must. He has to step them up by. Well, cut 10% off the ground ball rate, add at least 10% to the hard hit rate. I think he could do it. Jorge Soler or Franmil Reyes? Oh, that's a good one. Reyes. Is it? Are those two just a Spider-Man meme pointing at each other? (laughs) They're the same exact thing. (laughs) I like that. you You could put them right with Pete Alonso, couldn't you? Sure. No. Three Spider Mans. You got to add to the meme. No. Tristan, give me give me Pete Alonso's numbers in twenty twenty one. Because you're you're on a on an island here. Am I? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, unless you hit, you think he's hitting two sixty. I think he's more likely hitting two thirty. Alonso's going to hit two forty five and hit thirty eight, thirty nine, thirty thirty nine homers next year. All right, so that's not worth what we. So that's basically. Chris Davis of Oakland territory the last couple of years. Okay. okay, but Chris Davis of Oakland was a 60-70 guy at the draft table, and rightfully so. Yeah, but I, th- I would argue that things have changed now. You have to steal some bases, and you have to protect batting average. Why have things – steals are down across the league. Why are you going to throw a premium and a guy gives you 20 if he doesn't provide anything else? I would be – I'm not. I'm, I'm putting a priority on a guy who steals bases and does everything else. I'm taking those okay. guys earlier. I'm taking Whit- – Whit- the four players Whit- who Mer- do that. Tristan, Whit Merrifield went in the same round as Chris Davis two years ago. That's ridiculous today. Ridiculous. I won't do it anymore. I, I get it. Look, Whit Merrifield is a total whiff on my part for this year. I, I, I understand that. But again, like where where are these, these multi-category superstars you're talking about? There aren't that many of them. No, what I'm saying is that even if you're stealing 12 bases now, that's worth taking a couple rounds earlier than Fran Mill Reyes types who only have power oh, yeah. and can help you anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be singing their praises as considerably better picks. That's all. <laughs> Alonso's still right, gonna have value for you. Final one, Judge and Stanton. What are you doing there? Oh God. I would probably still take Judge. I don't feel good about either one of them. At this point, can we even give an over under of a hundred for either one of them? You mean the overall ranking? You're not putting Judge in your top no, 100? No, 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 no. A 100 game played over under for next year. Isn't it? Doesn't of course that... not. Of course not. And, and, and frankly, if, if we don't think either are playing 100 games, 
why are we ranking them in the top 100 anymore? I'm not sure we should. We shouldn't. Let's bring Kyle back in because we got trivia and we got uh, hash browns. Kyle, why are we ranking Judge and Stanton in the top 100 anymore? We shouldn't. Yeah, no, I don't think you should, but I think you're kind of overlooking the point that when they miss games, like you do have replacement level. It's not nothing in there, but yeah, no, if you put but that shouldn't be credited to them. Yeah, that's that's not to, it's not to their credit that they miss games and go on the DL, so we get to replace them. It doesn't work that way. No, I know. It's not like you take a zero is all I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to be Switzerland to you guys because you're both right here. But, Kyle, the part that that overrates is that these are players who have bumps and bruises and will disappear on Tuesday and give you five days of zeros. That yeah, hurts. That, that hurts more than being, in, than being hurt. That's the, the danger in people applying the replacement stats to the absences of the other players. That works yeah. when somebody goes on the IL and misses 30 yeah. consecutive days. It's a James Conner argument. But it, but but when you have JT Real Muto, who's been sitting and ruining two of my teams all for the past week, ugh, ugh. yeah, I mean, I I've got Real Muto in the NL labor. He is going to cost me a significant amount in two leagues. I can tell you, just him. Yeah, no, I I I hear you. All right, Kyle, what's the trivia we got for today? We do have some trivia. You guys are talking versatile players, so we'll go with that. Trevor Story. We'd be looking at a 2020 season this year and under 400 at-bats. I want you to name for me the two players that have done that this millennium. Scott Pesnetic. No. 2020, and they finished the season with under 400 at-bats. That's been done? <laughs> I, I have an immediate guess to that. There's, there's an obvious name who should be mentioned. but we'll, we'll Twice this it. millennium. We'll get to that after we get to Hash Browns. Gary wants you to rank these three for a six-by-six head-to-head dynasty league. Vlad, you, and Freed. Vlad Guerrero, who did disappointed us yet again. You, Darvish, who had a monster season. I don't think he'll win the Cy Young, but he came close. Although, who's going to win it? DeGrom? How about Corbin Burns? Trevor Bauer could win it. And then Max Freed, who you loved all along and you were right. I still think Vlad goes number one here, but obviously we have to reassess our opinion of Vlad Guerrero Jr., don't we? No. Why? We don't. He's going to be great. He's I think great. he's going to be great, but like, it, this can't be Alex Gordon waiting five years either. Like, I need, I need to see something next year. I would like to see something next year as well. I'm with you on that. But I'm, even then, I'm not sure that it's time to write him off. I, I think there's greatness Not here. saying that. Look, we're going to rank you, Darvish, in our top 10 next year for starting pitchers. And we're going to have Max Fried in our top 20. So if we're taking Vlad over the two of them in a dynasty, it's not like Darvish is old. That's saying something. In, in a dynasty? And I don't know the full structure of this league. And it's six by six, which is not giving Vlad that much of a You know what? It's not Vlad here. It's Darvish. I, the answer is Darvish. I don't. I think that's the wrong answer. I think it is still Vlad. Tristan, if we're ranking Darvish as a top 10 starting pitcher, aren't you? Are we? Why wouldn't we? He probably is, but it's nine or he 10. He has to be. Why? He has to be. I can't name 10 starting pitchers I'm going to rank over Darvish. I just can't do it anymore. I Look at the great season that you had again. I probably can't find 10 either, but he's 34. He's, I mean. Is he that old? 
He's 34. He has one year of 200 innings. He has three. Uh, one, let's see. Out of the past six years, he's right. I know. I didn't. I thought he was more like 31. Okay. No. All right. So it's Vlad. I, it's the dynasty part that makes me be very right. careful here. All right, Vlad first. Freed or Darvish in a dynasty? I mean, I want to win now, but like Freed yeah. is having a great a great season. Freed's going to give you. I, I'm I'm taking the volume of Freed. I. I see the case All for right. Darvish for going for now, but it's got to be Vlad Freed, you. All it's right. got to. Next. You agree, Eric? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize Darvish was that old, but okay, yeah. You, look, if somebody's trying to peddle Vlad Jr. in a true dynasty right now, give me all those. No, no, no. Thank you. I, want, I, I do too, Tristan, but if we're having this conversation next July and he's hitting 230 with six home runs, I, I mean, he's not – Athletic, okay. Like I watched him play against the Phillies this weekend. I mean, that's that's a body, man. That that is that's a football body. That's an offensive lineman football body. Mm-hmm. Now Miguel Cabrera got away with it. Pulos did for a while. Vlad looks like he's thirty. I, I mean, like I'm not trying to be negative. I I told I well, a month ago I said he was going to the Hall of Fame, but he just looks awful. And they're dumping him. He's going to be a designated hitter. He can't even play first base. He's not a first baseman. That bothers me. If they dump him a designated hitter and he does let himself go, that and and I raised that point. You and me, it was you and me and Dave who were discussing that. That was the only part that worries me. But in his defense, if you look at the Statcast numbers, ten percent addition in hard hit rate this year. That's pretty okay. incremental improvements in terms of barrel uh, launch angles down. That's a little bit bothersome. Exit. I will probably rank Vlad in round eight or nine next season. But that's a little generous. That is based, generous. based on what he's done. Okay, next. Travis wants to thank you guys for another great season, and he's wondering how your view of the pitching landscape has changed from last season to this season. Something we'll go over more on Thursday, but to give him a preview here. I don't think it has. Because I think next year it goes back to what it was in 2019, right? I mean, they'll allow pitchers to, to throw more, and I think bullpens will be a little bit more – uh, clarified and they'll allow people to throw 200 innings. And I don't think anything that's happened this season for pitch starting pitching carries over to next year. Do you agree with that? Um, all right. So it looks like an average of 60 ERA qualifiers over the past three seasons entering this, uh, 2019 at a slight increase at 61. Can you tell me how many ERA qualifiers there are this year? Probably 20. I was going to say, how many innings even qualifies? It's it's an inning per team game. You have to throw 162 over 162. So 60 would qualify you at the end of the year. It's 49 players. So that's – but I, I also don't I, – I don't think that carries over next year necessarily. I, I don't think it does, but I don't think we're getting past 60. No, I, I agree with that. I don't think pitching volumes are coming back at 2014 and before levels. I think they're coming back at 2017 to 2019 levels, which is still down. Right. Next. Dave wants to know if Nick Madrigal has top 10 potential at the position anytime down the road. Look, this gets back to my earlier point. Um, no power. None. Like – he could get 500 plate appearances next year and hit an area home run. And he won't knock in runs. But he could bat 330 next year <laughs> with 20 steals. So 
I don't think I'm going to target him because I'm targeting somebody. I, I can't roster somebody who has no power at all. Like, it was like the Billy Hamilton years. Like, he, yeah, he stole bases, but, I mean, obviously batting average. Madrigal's an elite contact guy, like 90%. But, I mean, can you bat – like David Fletcher, who we've discussed in relation to Madrigal. Madrigal should have a higher batting average and more steals, but David Fletcher has no power. It's hard to roster a guy like that, even if he's versatile. So I'm going to say he, he might end up on the player Raider top 10 at second base because of the stolen bases of batting average being so great. But if he's not hitting at the top of the lineup and he has no power at all, like he could finish next season in 500 PAs with like one home run and 40 runs batted in. Mm-hmm. I, I, you can't stomach that. Yeah. It's a huge, huge issue. It's it's kind of the Malik Smith uh, comments exactly, we had at the beginning of the year. Better batting average, yeah. Right. So Madrigal, by the way, is in the 83rd percentile in terms of StatCast uh, sprint speed. So pretty decent there. I think that's going to fuel a lot of his fantasy value, at least for next year. I, I do think he's going to – I think he's pretty likely to bat 300-plus. This bugs me too. 51% ground ball rate, 20% hard hit rate, 20%. That is yeah, not going to cut it. And StatCast says it's 16%. That is downright awful. I I think it's going to come. There'll be a ten, top 10 year. I don't know that he has the, he, he's not, he doesn't have the Jose Altuve upside at his peak, at least not right now. And I'm not so sure I'm in on him next year. Eric, I'm sure you, I think you aren't either. Like I'm not, I'm not ready to I'm get not. on board yet. No, I, I can name 10 second baseman next year. I mean, I would take Kevin Biggio over him because Biggio to me is like a, a 20 homer, 15 steal guy. Hura for sure. Maybe even Jake Jake Cronenworth next year. I mean, that's that's a high batting average guy with a little pop. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I just I, – I, I like Jonathan Villar, I watched him over the weekend. He looks awful, just terrible. He's been terrible for Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to draft guys like that anymore. I, I, uh, I, I benched him in a league this week. <laughs> you should. Yeah, I know. Next. Last question comes from Ross, and it's about Chris Paddock and Kyle Tucker and a head-to-head keeper. I assume you would both take Kyle Tucker. I want to know what you guys think about Paddock, because I drafted him, and he has been awful. I mean, he's been a little better lately, but it's been brutal, and I thought he was going to be one of the top 10 pitchers in the game. I wonder if we rank him in the top 20 for next season, Tristan. Now, it's a high year rate. This gets back to a little bit of the Barrios conversation from the other day. Paddock's still a strikeout per inning. Uh, he's on a good team, and it's a good whip in relation to his ERA. And I would bet that his FIP is much – no, his FIP is higher than his ERA. So he's earned this high ERA. In a general sense, though, you should be keeping a hitter over a pitcher when you can. And Kyle Tucker has like 30 home or 20 steal upside. Will we rank Paddock in the t- – who would you rank next year better, Paddock or Barrios? Boy, that's a good one. So I probably Paddock, would draft. I probably would take Paddock I think it's, first. I think it's Paddock, but I don't think either makes my top twenty. I don't think either makes the top twenty either. But I will say that I actually think Paddock is a buying opportunity. I'm looking at the numbers in here. His fastball has gotten obliterated this year. That changeup is grading sky high. This has a lot of Luis Castillo's early career fluctuations. It's screaming Luis like Castillo fluctuations, and that he's going to put together that year like. Castillo's breakthrough. Would you take Paddock or Luis Castillo next year? Because Castillo's not done, not gotten it done. But because, yeah, 
I'm just saying. Next yeah, year, I, I think I'm more likely to take take Paddock than Castillo. And I've already said neither are top 20. So Castillo's gotten his ear rate down to 303, and the strikeout rate is fantastic. It's just, what is it about him? Why I'm, is he not? The, the changeup has not performed like it usually has for Castillo. So that's the one that's regressed. But having watched that pitch and knowing how well he's performed with it in the three years before that, even when when he wasn't right with the others, I it's Castillo over Paddock still. It's still. I think it's close. I feel like Castillo I, would be I like don't. number 22 and Paddock like 25. I think it's close. I think Castillo's top 20. I'm more, right. I'm more pro Castillo. Maybe when I sit down and actually do my top 20 rankings, he will make it. All right. What's uh, What was the trivia question? This trivia question is impossible. Let's, <laughs> let's hear it. I want to give trivia guess. I wouldn't give you one that is impossible. Trevor Story. Pacing toward a 2020 season and under 400 at-bats. I want you to name for me the last two players to do that in a season. Both have come this millennium. Yeah. Tristan, got, so you have an obvious guess. What is it? I do, and he's probably wrong, but I, I would swear that this is this screams Grady Sizemore. I was going to say I like that. I like the idea. You're on the right path as far as an injury-prone guy that can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. But no, Grady Sizemore is not one of them. Darn it. I had a list. I have a li- like a list in my head of guys who were like 2020 guys who never who who missed time. Sizemore's on that list. I have Jason Worth on that list. Yeah. I know he had a year like that. I don't know that he got to 20. Not right, but I like, I don't mind the Jason Worth guess. How about um, um oh. I was thinking this might sound crazy, but I was thinking Adalberto's father, Mondesi. Bingo. That's one of them. That's not the wow. one I thought you would get. Wow. He, he was a 30-30 guy who missed time. Mike Cameron. Sure. Like, take guys out of it. Mike Cameron was the one I was going to guess. Yeah. Oh, wow. The, I thought for sure when Tristan said he had an easy one, you'd get the guy you guys have missed. And I thought, no way you'd get Raul. Raul was what year? 2000. The other guy's 2013. So recent. Not Ryan Braun. Not Ryan Braun. I, I, I'm having trouble even coming up with 2013. Yep. You got to give us a hint. Oh, 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 oh. Wait, what? Lefty outfielder. Oh, that gets Alex Rios off the list. Uh... <laughs> I had so much Alex Rios exposure back in the day. Yeah, I did too. Lefty power speed guy who... This time, I, I, he has no at bats this year. He played, appeared in forty-five games last year. Cargo, cargo, Cargo. it is, of course, yeah. Carlos Gonzalez used to steal bases way back in the day. Yeah, he used to be a a base stealer to some degree. Four twenty steal seasons in a row. I, I gotta look up Jason Worth because I could have sworn he had a year like he got oh. really close. Yeah, he got really close, didn't he? He had a twenty-four homer, twenty-steal year with four hundred and eighteen at bats his first uh. year. <laughs> <laughs> and he, so probably close. Had, uh, he probably had got those eighteen at bats at the end to go over the probably did. He, Kyle, you got the pandit ek. Oh, come on, Kyle, a question like that because no, he, he said it was it impossible, but he got both answers. He is the you ask great questions, Kyle. You Thank really you, do. Sir. Which is not to imply that the other person on this show doesn't, but you Kyle I love your trivia questions. We are done for today, an hour show, but who cares? It's off hours. 
And anyway, thank you so much for listening to our little podcast, the Fantasy Focus Baseball this season. We really do appreciate you doing so. And we only have a couple more left. The next one we will record, we think, on Wednesday afternoon slash night for distribution on Thursday. For Kyle, who gives great trivia questions. For Tristan, winning all his leagues. I am Eric. Please have an awesome couple of days.